Well, thank you guys for coming to the show today, but I just want to drop this warning here. Colin's grandparents showed up for a surprise visit and are in the other room, so please, if you're going to drop some expletives, do it quietly. No. No. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to drop it. <laughs> oh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Why make a comic that would cost more than a dime? Come the brothers who are here to waste your time. So welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros podcast, where three broke jerks just sit around a mic and word vomit. Yep. Um... So, I try to put some thought into the stupid stuff I say. Yeah, me too. But you've definitely got some out. thought. Sometimes it just comes out as rambles. Also, also I am a thought. You, you are a big thoughty. Ha Okay, so we're just gonna jump. Actually, no, wait. We're not gonna jump right into the news. We <gasps> actually got a piece of mail. I oh, I can find it. Give me a sec. I didn't save it. You didn't put it in the archive. See, now I... I archived it, but on mobile, no. it's really weird to, like, now. find archives. Now, everyone listen. Last time that we got mail, I archived it immediately and told everyone immediately... Yeah, I know. ...that yeah. we got mail. But Spencer here, of course, just doesn't want to keep anyone in the loop. No. You got mail. That's what he should have done. But well, he I wasn't going to put it under the freaking hate mail label, but on mobile, I literally don't know where archives are. Yeah, I haven't found archives either. I hate And it's been a thing for years. So I'm going to read out this piece of mail, because it's the first piece of mail that we got. This is so exciting. Um, okay. So this is from wait, Rebecca, wait. which is somebody we do know. Is this hate mail? No. Darn it! It's regular mail. Otherwise, I, I want hate mail! Otherwise, I would have saved it under the hate mail label. <laughs> uh, so this is just a suggestion from Rebecca. Uh, I know this normally isn't your thing, but this was made by uh, Riley Brown and Fabian... I honestly don't remember how to pronounce his last name for the original creators of Deadpool. Um, it's a webcomic called Outrage. If you're interested, it's also free, which is cool. Uh, I did take a look at it. It is free, as she said. It does look really interesting. I haven't gotten to watching anything yet, but I did say I'd pass it along to you nerds. All right. Which means I actually need to forward this email right now before I forget. Yep. Thank um, you. Finally. But Thank you for our first piece of mail. Uh, yeah. And uh, we'll probably get back to you once we actually finish going through it on our personal time. Sounds like uh, it's going to be a special episode next week when we have all read this and can talk about it. Yeah. Talk about it. So we're going to jump into some news. Um, so we got a synopsis for season two of the Netflix Witcher TV series. Nice. Quote, convinced Yennefer's life was lost at the Battle of Sodden, Geralt of Rivia brings Princess Cirilla to the safest place he knows, his childhood home of Kaer Morhen. While the continents, kings, elves, humans, and demons strive for supremacy outside its walls, he must protect the girl from something far more dangerous than the mysterious power she possesses inside. End quote. Little pretentious, but the teaser images look really good. I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to this. Like, the first season was a bit rough with the weird timeline stuff going oh, on. It was yeah, I was confused a little bit. I time. understood I it the whole freaking time. I understood it on first watch, but the editing was a bit rough for that. But the performances were all really good. Obviously, Henry Gavel was phenomenal. Perfect. And uh, the the stunt work was pretty solid. But they're, I'm really hoping now that the timeline's been straightened out, they can spend some more time focusing on making a bit more cohesive of a narrative. Yep. Uh, Definitely. Uh, I did not need a press release released about this. I just need the season. Also true. I kind of sound like a broken record every time I say this. Uh, just give it to me. Seriously, screw COVID. I want my entertainment back. 
so we also have another piece of news from comicbook.com. Quote, Grant Morrison has put his Arkham Asylum sequel on hold. DC Comics published the Batman graphic novel Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on Serious Earth in 1989. Morrison wrote the story and Dave McKean provided the artwork. When it debuted, it became the best-selling superhero graphic novel of all time and has sold 600,000 copies worldwide. Uh, 100,000 copies would be Spencer, by himself, uh, single-handedly. Just five. Oh, is In that 2017, all? Morrison announced that he'd begun scripting a sequel to be drawn by Chris Burnham, his collaborator on Batman Incorporated. The sequel would take place in the future Morrison established in Batman number 666, where Bruce Wayne's son Damien had taken on the Batman mantle. But then television came calling, including Morrison's adaptation of Brave New World. Because of this, he had to abandon the Arkham Asylum sequel, but he may return to it. I kind of wrote 26 pages of it, and it got shelved because the television work was taking up so much time, Morrison tells Tech Radar. But again, I never say never because I think those 26 pages were pretty good. And I did enjoy doing a short story with Chris Burnham, the artist, recently in Detective Comics 1027. And it gave me the taste again because he was going to draw the second Arkham Asylum, too. But no, I had a story. It's very, very, very different from the original book. It was more of a Philip K. Dick thing. It's still there. It's still one of these things that might happen, end quote. So I need audio from this interview because I want to hear how he said, you know, I I just kind of wrote 26 pages of it. Like, bro, that's an eighth of the freaking book. Grant Morrison is a very humble dude. Also, usually stoned out of his mind. We love it. He's so cool. Um... I do find this prospect very interesting, mostly because um, A Serious House on Serious Earth is really not a book to make a sequel to, in my perspective anyway. Um, and then having a very radical art style switch, uh, switch. Chris Burnham has uh, some pretty solid art. It's in the semi-normal DC style, which is very non mm. nondescript, but I'm sure you know what I'm saying. It's really good work. It's just nothing nothing even remotely close to what the first book would have been. And that's what he says that. in the interview. It's, it's a just, very, very different story. I get and he it. uses three different berries. I know. It's just odd. I kind of have a problem with people switching art styles when it's like the same type of Right. It sounds line. like it should just be a different book. Yeah. A different masterpiece. It might have just been a spiritual sequel, which... I feel like would make more sense because the uh, Batman issue 666 which took place in the middle of Grant Morrison's really big and really phenomenal run of Batman mm-hmm. in like the mid 2000s was freaking sweet that was the one where Damian Wayne was made a deal with the devil to be immortal so he could be Batman forever it was it was great huh. stuff and making a sequel to that as well is really cool because in Morrison's version of Batman canon everything has happened in every Batman book in one way shape matter form whether it was on drugs mm-hmm. mostly drugs um, like all the stuff in the 50s was just all drugs but yep. you know, that stuff or it's in a different timeline it somehow has happened so it makes sense to tie it together it's just odd kind of sad we won't get this but maybe he will eventually do the thing yeah do the thing do the thing do the roar do the roar do the roar do the roar and that's where you need to add in that clip. I will send you the clip of Shrek doing the roar. Okay. Um, <laughs> Warner Bros. has officially announced that four of their DC films have been delayed. The Batman, which was slated to <clears throat> slated to delay on October... I really made a big typo. Was slated to debut on October 1st, 2021, has been pushed to March 4th, 2022. Like, we didn't see that happening with uh, yeah. Robert Pattinson... That- but whatever. Battinson. I mean, he got back on filming real fast. Yeah, he did, still, but still. It's definitely slowing down production. Uh, Ezra Miller's The Flash has been moved from June 2, 2022, and now will release on November 4, 2022. Shazam 2 is also shifting dates and will now open on June 2, 2023, instead of November 2022. 
Meanwhile, Black Adam has been removed completely from the release calendar. Oh! Which, there are, there's been more stuff going on in the background with Black Adam, so it's not like they're canceling it, but they're definitely giving it way more time. They're doing more casting and stuff. All right. But this is expected. Yep. It's annoying. I mean, you can't be too hard on it, though. They only pushed the Batman back to March 4th. Like, I mean, I really did want it to be a Halloween movie. I really too. was looking forward to that. But March is a good secondary release for something like that. I've always liked March releases. It's not super busy. Right. But it's, you know, there's still stuff going on. Because, you know, BVS was released in March. And that no, was a I did not movie. know that. It, it was. I That's why I watched that. it. Um, <laughs> so this kind of stinks, but this is expected. Nothing really to discuss. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter broke that Doctor Strange will be in uh, the MCU's third Spider-Man film. Perfect. This is really weird, because something that's been driving me crazy about the internet uh, right now is the original article cited he will be in a mentor role and then Spider-Man Twitter got really triggered, which is understandable because at the end of Far From Home, we're like, Spider-Man is out of needing a mentor at this point. Uh So it might have just been they were just talking up the fact that they knew that he was getting cast, uh, you know, being put in the movie. I think doing um, Doctor Strange was kind of expected. It was either going to be Doctor Strange or a scrawl thing to explain Spider-Man's identity crisis going on. So that's neat. I would honestly prefer just to have a plain Spider-Man movie with nobody else in it, but I really, really like Doctor Strange, so I, this is fine. I'm into it. And the fact that people are making this immediately into, it's tying into the multiverse is really dumb, because there's no, the only way to construe it that way is Doctor Strange is involved in WandaVision, potentially, and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, thusly, Spider-Verse. Dude, get a life. That's not how logic works. And also, making the third Spider-Man film a multiverse film would be really stupid. That'd be rough. That'd be really dumb. And also, you yell, get a life, as you're yelling into a microphone about a comic book movie. <laughs> hey, at least I put on real pants in the morning and don't wear sweatpants. <sighs> Moving on. Um, so this is the last piece of news, which I find very interesting. Um, oh, really? Just broke a couple hours ago. From thehollywoodreporter.com. <gasps> Breaking news! Quote, HBO Max's Green Lantern series has been powered up, has powered up its lantern, landing its showrunner. Seth Graham Smith, the uh, Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter, novelist, turned screenwriter of such movies such as the Lego Batman movie, will <gasps> act as showrunner of the DC comic-based series and co-write the inaugural episode with Mark Guggenheim, the co-creator of DC's shows Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. I was going to say, I've heard the name. Yeah. Lantern, which is a weird name, a one-hour drama has been given a ten-episode straight-to-series order. It hails from Berlanti Productions and Warner Bros. Television. Greg Berlanti and Jeff Johns, the comics author-turned-DC show creator, were involved in the 2011 Green Lantern movie, as was Guggenheim. While the movie didn't shine green at the box office, the show is being seen as a way to course-correct and reintroduce one of the longest-lasting names in superhero comics. The makers are describing the show as a saga spanning decades and galaxies and will feature a host of Green Lanterns, the galactic police officers that patrol the known and unknown universe. The show will focus on Earth-centric lanterns Guy Gardner, Jessica Cruz, Simon Simon Baz, I believe is how you pronounce it, and Alan Scott, and will also have alien lanterns such as fan-favorite Kilowog, as well as Sinestro, a former lantern now-turned-villain, end quote. Yes! So, Spencer, out of all people... That I know, I know that you must be your pants over this. Uh, I do like Green Lantern, yes. I am. So. I am quite excited as well, because. Show us your I, excitement. I didn't mind the movie. 
Same. It wasn't great, but oh, I didn't mind oh, it. Oh my gosh. You guys didn't mind the movie. It's not that bad. Like, it's not good. It's not great. It's no. fine. No, no, by you guys saying that, I'm, I'm, it makes me feel like a normie now. Wow. Um, <laughs> so, I had a couple of things when I read this. One, they're already introducing some of the most recent Earth-based Green Lanterns, which I find very interesting. They're doing Alan Scott, who is the first who wasn't actually part of the Green Lantern Corps originally. He was, like, honorary made a member because he's actually powered by magic, which is a whole other thing. They'll probably just make him a Green Lantern. But, but And also the new, the two newest ones. So, will he not be able to pick up wood in this movie? I really hope that they don't even go there. But I actually, hope they I do. That'd of, be so funny. That'd be really That'd weird. just be so funny. Like, he can't Weakness pick up anything wood. yellow or wood. It's a very weird weakness. <laughs> yeah. But the, I remember when this was first, um, like, rumored way back that they were going to be doing, like, a buddy cop sort of deal with, um, potentially, with uh, Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart, and now they're like, no, Guy Gardner, who's Green Lantern from Earth, number three, and then, like, number five and number six, and the prequel number one Green Lantern. It's like, what the heck? It's really random, but I'm sure that there's an, there's an idea behind it. I'm curious where the other Green Lanterns are. I want my Jon Stewart back, because I grew up with Justice I League love and John Justice Stewart. League Unlimited, and I need Jon Stewart back. I agree with I, you I entirely. I genuinely like all of the Green Lanterns, but I... I You're just a nerd for Green Lantern. Uh, yeah. In general. Something really notable, um, Jeff Johns is no longer attached to this in any capacity that they just announced, meaning he's probably going to have like an executive producer credit, because he was involved in them like getting it off the ground or whatever, and he is... Basically, he kind of reinvented the Green Lanterns in the past, like, 20 years or so. Huh. But this is probably indicative of the stuff that's going on at DC right now, that they, they know that Jeff Johns is getting in some hot water, and they're getting him uh, out of the spotlight. Just kind of notable, because he was originally attached to this, and he's still attached to WB Pictures. So it's like, huh, are they remove is it are they just removing his name from the press release or is he actually not really attached to this show anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, I find that to be interesting. So it could have been that I wasn't completely listening, but I think you might have missed it. You said it was a direct to service, but I didn't direct hear... to series. I might have misspoke. Okay, meaning they're just doing the full season right off the bat. Okay, so where is it going? HBO Max. HBO Max. All yeah, right. I said it a few times, but you're All special. Right. Yep. Yeah. I, I completely followed, or started off with, yeah. I was only The first me. word was HBO Max, but whatever, you're just special. I automatically bleep out HBO Max. Fair. And we'll do so for the rest of the episode. Okay. Just to prove a point. Okay. Um, and you know what my next thought is, because it's me. Uh, what continuity is this in? <laughs> Which doesn't... I thought you were gonna ask if we could see the bulge in the what? green outfit. Oh my gosh! Like really? We could see really? <laughs> in the Green Lantern movie? Oh my gosh! Because there was definitely a bulge there. Big big bulge. <sighs> it is Ryan Reynolds, so he's got a big peener. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know nobody else really cares, but I'm kind of curious because this is being partially produced by Berlanti Productions, which means. It might be linked to the um, the Arrowverse continuity, but they're now establishing their own Green Lantern, meaning Diggle. So it doesn't sound like it's related at all. But it, you know, and it's on HBO Max. So is this in just general DC? It's a thing. Is this a new continuity, or is this in the Snyderverse? I don't know. I'm curious. They'll make Diggle John Stewart. <laughs> that could work because he kind of acts like John Stewart. That's one of the but only. Not as cool. One of the only no. things in the later bit of Arrow I didn't mind was that idea of like, hey, screw it, we could make Diggle a Green Lantern. 
because I like that character, and he does. I did. He like... is pretty similar to John Stewart. But also, do we really need to condense black people into making less black people? I no. feel like that might be that might not look good. I was gonna cut that comment, and then you guys took it, and now I don't know what to do with that. Any comment? Yeah, just leave it in. No, it's um, good. So that's the end of the news. <clears throat> now we're gonna move on to the main topic: Batman White Knight, which is a uh, DC Black Label book. What was it? Eight issues? Sure. Like uh, that. Give me one minute, and I'll find that out for you. Um. Which was published in, what was that, like, friggin' 2017, 2018? We gotta cut all this. For once, okay, I'm unprepared so with the statistical information. Batman White you Knight. You should just read it. Just start off. So, with Batman White Knight is a comic book limited, limited series created by Sean Murphy and the first installment of the Murphyverse. The series spans eight issues and was published monthly in 2017 and 2018 by DC Comics. Thank you, Colin, for having the wiki handy. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, so this was one of the... This was technically published before Black Label was, like, fully launched, and then when they put it in the collected edition, they slapped the Black Label on it, which is really cool. Um, Colin, do you want to give a summary of this book? Okay, so this book is, like, a nostalgic callback to everything Batman-related and given a, shed, uh, a shedding light on... Batman's actions and how it is truly cynical. Something like that. Something like that. It's a political thriller. Uh, so basically, uh, Batman is pursuing the Joker, who apparently has has taken over some sort of a pill factory. Something along those lines. So yeah, uh, Joker has led Batman to a factory that made these uh, that produced these pills. And I don't know, I forget, I haven't read it in a little bit, but I do know quite a bit about it. Joker basically it. told Batman to, like, give him half a second so he can down these pills. <laughs> Batman's like, oh, you want the pills? I'll give you the pills. So he basically snaps and shoves, like, an entire bottle of pills down yeah, Joker's Oh my throat gosh, I totally forgot about in that. In front of the entire GCPD. Uh-huh. And Barbara and Nightwing. Yeah. Can I start being a boomer yet? Yes. So, immediately, I didn't like that because it was like... It felt like they were trying to make Batman a bad guy in the opening shot to set up this story. It just felt forced. It but didn't. There like was no the reason. Pills for down it. The like the pills down ah! the throat. I said it first. I don't know. Like they really worked hard to set up Batman as a bad guy instead of using a decent example that we've had before. Like I don't feel like you really need one. Like, like so, when I was trying to defend the Tim Burton, yeah, Tim Burton Batman. And you guys were like, uh, he's kind of a murdering asshole on that. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no so they pretext have taken... given that he had a no-kill rule and that he's breaking it. It's just a given that he just murders people in that movie. Okay. I, I just think that they should have taken some well-established actual Batman things instead of setting him up like they did here. It just felt I'm out curious, of character for him. I'm curious how you would present that as for you, because this is an entirely so, new universe. Like, it's loosely based off of a few things, but it's pretty unique. So how would you set that up? Well, I have no idea. Now, now like, I don't read comics, <laughs> but it's like you guys had so many examples for me when I was trying to defend Tim Burton's Batman. So hear me out for a I hadn't thought about it before. So if, if we look into that comic, we see that there's a lot of uh, homages and nostalgia of everything Batman, including... Mostly BTAS. Listen, including, yes, there's BTAS, but there's also... All the Batmobiles, 
yeah. all of them at from the their different movies, not just at the end, but right. like they show them. Yeah, it's got and so that shows you that this what the whole point of this is that you shouldn't have uh, already established like Batman. This Batman's bad. You should already just take into account that yeah, Batman's probably Batman's done weird uh, some shady stuff in this movie and that movie and this comic. So it's more. I feel like it's more of a um, a comic for avid comic readers. Well, that's what I, I actually was going to say. I was like, if they had done, I don't know, something. It just felt out of character. It felt like an extreme case where the first time I read it, I was like, wow, where did this come from? Like, he's wicked violent and just but snaps. Well, like I mean, when so, does, honestly, um, when does Batman not do that? You know, he very frequently goes just. Be- just before killing the Joker all the time. Okay, so if you look, if you look at, if you look in the beginning of the comic, it shows it actually does have a build up into Batman, because first you see Batman on with the Batmobile. He's going off of rooftops like he has in in recent movies, like the Nolan verse where um, Batman's Batmobile is treading rooftops, and Barbara's like, "Don't you think there's people in there?" And, and Batman's basically saying. Oh, I don't care. That's just gonna happen. And after he got out of the Batmobile and he was chasing um, Joker on foot, he pushed a police officer that was trying to help him right out of the way. He could have just like jumped over him. No, he just like physically pushed him. So there was a form of buildup to show you that this Batman is an asshole. I feel like <clears throat> I, I find it funny that Jacob was the one who kind of told us before we started rolling that we need to summarize before we start talking, and then as soon as we started trying to summarize. He had to butt in with an opinion that we had to rabbit trail down. I find that very <laughs> ironic. I think that's what happens to Should us. Should we finish summarizing? Typical. I thought we were done summarizing. No. Okay. All so, right, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Batman forces a bunch of pills down Joker's throat, which uh, which apparently the Joker had planned for him to do to some extent. Um, so the GCPD doesn't GCPD doesn't really trust Batman that much, and the Joker basically goes back to being a regular dude. Like, he gets thrown in prison and then uh, wakes up back as Jack Napier, the man he was before he turned into the Joker. Um, and then he, as the title says, basically becomes a white knight for Gotham, in a sense. He he goes through the political system and manipulates it um, outside of the realms of morality and just tries to basically do what a lot of apparently smart people think that Batman should just work within the system of the law and just give them all of his money because that'll fix the problems. That's basically what Joker is doing. Mm-hmm. He is trying to be a better Batman through an entirely different means than Batman is, but it's shown that both of them go well outside the realms of the system and morality, and just because Joker, through the series of events in the book, uh, gets quote-unquote results he did it in a he went outside of the system and did lots of really bad things to get there like a really really corrupt politician mm-hmm. um and then we the probably the the biggest factor of the book is the fact that there's actually two harley quinns in this universe um when joker kidnapped and beat and potentially killed jason todd um the original harley quinn left him and then some idiot just fell in line and replaced her and joker never even noticed the difference so, um, event when Joker turns back into Jack Napier, um, the actual Harleen Quinzel kind of resurfaces and then comes back to Jack's side and then the replacement Harley Quinn just kind of snaps and becomes this Neo-Joker character, um, and tries to take over Gotham and basically just be Joker, but a woman, sort of. It's kind of complicated. It was weird. Kind of cool, though. Yeah, no, it worked. It worked. It was just weird. 
Um, I really liked that uh, the whole villain character was set up in the book. Like, it, it really solidified that this is its own continuity, and yeah. I didn't need to read something else to understand both Harleys and whatever the frick. It was all self-contained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was definitely good. I really enjoyed... Um, yeah, so Jack Napier teams up with the GCPD and Batman and the Bat Family and Harley Quinn to take down Neo Joker. They do, and then Joker turn, and then Jack Napier turns back into the Joker after marrying Harley Quinn, and he's stuck in prison. Basically, the plot of the book, in very weird terms, um, something I really enjoyed was the fact that Harley Quinn is a really, really big part of this book. Mm-hmm. But it's not like, hey, it's Harley Quinn. It's like, no, this is like an actual character with you know, depth and feelings and a she personality. She was really good in this comic. I quite enjoyed her they role. They really leaned into the fact that there are only two people on the planet who really understand Joker, and that is Harley Quinn and Batman, so they have their own weird connection there because they're the only people who really understand what the Joker does and is. Um, yeah, so it, it's kind of an... It's, as Colin said, a bit of an homage to uh, Batman and the Animated Series plus the Burton movies and some other stuff thrown in there, but, like, artistically speaking, it's, like, B-Tass, but really edgy. Which I yeah. like edgy. Not gonna lie. I'm a little bit of a 13-year-old <clears throat> boy. So, it is kind of like B-Tass in the art style a little bit, but I think the artist, Sean Murphy, did that more so with this than his other works. Yes, absolutely. It, it was definitely intentional. But there is something that I noticed about his artwork that does bother me. Really? He's one of my favorite artists, but there's something that bothers me about what he does. What? His head shapes and his faces... Mo- he So his antagonist and his protagonist faces, they're like the same in almost every comic. Yeah. So I read another one of his comics I'll talk about later, but like the protagonist, like head shape and like... And with like his hair slicked back, looked just like Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. And his pro, uh, no, his that was his protagonist. His antagonist looked just like the Joker, but like robotic. Yeah. And that kind of bothers me, but I'm also thinking, well, that, that's kind of what artists do. Because if you really look at uh, Mignola, I knew it. There we go. There we go. Because when you look at Mignola, all his like fa- face head shapes are pretty much the same, except for Hellboy and a couple others. But he does the same thing. And it's just like an artist trait, I guess. So. I'm li- less bothered, but when I discovered that, I was bothered quite much, so... Yeah, no, I definitely get that. Um, speaking of art, aside from the, like, the general vibe, have it very, very much so a gothic book, which I really, really enjoy. Love. I love when Batman gets gothic. That's, like, my favorite. Um, yeah, no, same. Definitely. Mm-hmm. But the, um, something that I can definitely appreciate about this book, I think more than a lot of other books, I really like it when artists slash writers are the same. I, I like it when people do their own artwork for their own stories. I yep. love the... Even when it's not necessarily... Um, when both sides aren't exactly equal, it creates a really strong symbiotic relationship between the two. Symbiote. Symbiote. Um, Symbiotity. What the freak? <laughs> <laughs> um, I just really like how well that works. Even if they are, they can't necessarily convey what they want to convey, they're doing it to the best of their abilities. Um, and it just... Always, always get good vibes off of that. So something I did want to talk about is the Joker's outfits in this. Honestly, one of the, when I first started reading, the like smiley face with the suspenders nearly made me close the book. I don't like it at Neither. all. <gasps> and also, I wanted to talk about that. I read uh, next week's main topic, Curse of the White Knight, and it's on the cover, and it's got like that 
belly V pointing at his dick it's, thing going, it's, and it's really uncomfortable to look yeah. at. Yeah, and it's like I, huh. I just, I get it. I just don't like it. I'm not uncomfortable by it. Like I don't want to say I'm uncomfortable. It's just really odd. It was my first thought. I was like, this is Joker. But that I saw him like. Joker's gay. In my mind, oh, no, I, if he if he was anything, he'd be either asexual or he, he'd be homosexual. No, I totally I totally agree with that. It's just I don't know. It felt weird, mostly just because we don't see Joker outfits even close to resembling that for the most no, part. No, not really. But I thought it was the way and I liked the it. way he looks in the norm, the quote unquote like traditional purple tread like um, tailcoat. Yep. Oh, it looks so good in this art. It like it, oh, it was very so good. good. And I I really like the heterochromia. I know Colin doesn't like the two different colored eyes, but no, I really no, like it. No, I, I I don't dislike it. I thought it's, you didn't like it. No, I think I disliked how obsessive you are about it. That's really weird, but okay. I think that's what I was trying to get to, but I I didn't mind it. I did think it was odd that one eye was like a bat symbol. I don't know. I if that's, really did like I, that. I don't know if that's an art, like just an artist thing, or if that's like something happened to him, and we're never gonna know what happened. That's fair. Um, no. I noticed. Sorry again. Reading Curse of the White Knight, that every time he is the Joker, his pupils are Batman symbols. But yep. having just sped through a uh, regular old White Knight, mm-hmm. like as you guys were talking five yeah. minutes ago. There was only a couple of times that the Batman logo was his pupil. Was that because it, it was a close-up shot, there or was that because in Curse of the White Knight of the Joker? Yeah, well, so I, I think maybe the reason why they didn't do, do the symbol was just because you can't it's see not, it. Yeah, you can't see it, so there's no point in trying to do it. Yeah, but yeah, no, the um, something which when I first read through the book, I totally <clears throat> understood the decision, but I didn't really like was like the core concept of the book was the whole Joker being a person and the Joker. At first, it bothered me because it just felt like a Two-Face ripoff, but then once I read it a few more times, I no, no. really, really, really liked it. No, I thought it was far different from Two-Face. I don't know. It just, with especially with the, the heterochromia, that gave me that vibe, and that's definitely why there are two different colored eyes. Like, that 100% is why. It just No, it works. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, Joker's taking over. Like, they're two separate personalities in his body. Like, they're not just the extreme version of this other one. They are two literally separate things in his head. Mm-hmm. And that just, at first, it bothered me. And but it once physically I, changes him. Yeah, but once I got used to it, I yeah, did really like skin. it. Yeah, and his nails. That's very weird. Makes no sense biologically, but who gives a but it could. it's just like he's a mutant. Yeah. I mean, sure. You could just take it as that. Yeah, probably. His, his mutant power is that he can change his skin to white and his nails to black. Screw it, who cares? And his hair to green. Why not? Why not? Why not? It's a joker. I did like the fact that he kind of had curly hair when he sometimes... Oh, I love that. It's interesting. We don't usually see Joker I like with joker curly with, hair. I actually like Joker with curly hair more than any other hair, yep. Interesting. I think it works with him. He's just weird. I mean, also, sure. also the only other person that had, like, curly hair... Uh, besides, like, recent comics, is uh, 1960s. That is true. Um, Batman, uh, the, uh, the Batman show. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and then I think one of the things that the two of us can definitely dive into, Jacob doesn't didn't seem to have a lot of thoughts on it, but the, the fact that uh, Sean Murphy entirely on accident switched the order of the Robins, mm-hmm. he made um, freaking Jason Todd the first Robin, who died and got got kidnapped and apparently died and then it was dick grayson so i i find it really funny he said in a i think it was either a cliff it was somewhere in the book or online or whatever in an interview it's like yeah i totally forgot the order when i was writing them so it just made it different 
on accident, and that was really cool. That's so baffling to us, but like I think to a writer, it, it was just like no, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, just, just just it's a big oops that you don't really catch, especially because he does he does his own art. So um, there's only I believe the colorist and the inker on the book were like the only other people that worked on it. I don't think he had an editor. I, I might be wrong. He might have done his own editing. So it just. It's just an accident, but it gives it a different sort of texture to it. Because the first Robin got kidnapped and died in Batman's eyes. That's rough. So it explains yeah, why he has I a like much more stern, um, stoic approach with yep. Nightwing and Batgirl afterwards. Because he's already basically had a son die. Yep. His first son. Yeah, which makes it even weirder. Because, like, dude, stop adopting children. Your first one died. Like, why'd you get another one? Yeah. But also, Batman is very screwed up in the head. Uh, yeah. Some... Um, I... I hadn't completely... I completely missed this. I hadn't got it at all. Really? Yep. Yeah, no. It, <clears throat> it, it's... You can kind of... I, I can understand how you'd miss it, but the, uh, just Batman as an animal note, I think that was conveyed really well in this book in some of the panels, like when Batman is chained to the wall um, without his cape and mm-hmm. Joker... Well, Jack just, like, comes into uh, Arkham, and then Batman, like, just runs at him, like, spr- like uses the full length of the chain. Yep. And he's just caged up like an animal. I think they can be... he is kind of like an animal. kind of is sometimes. And I really enjoyed how well that was conveyed. It's not just, ooh, Batman's going crazy. Ooh, Batman's no, so dark. No, like, just Batman. Yeah, like, it's kind of Batman all the time. Batman's I mean, always the, been crazy. He's just, like, kind of, like... He finds ways to contain it and mm-hmm. hide it. And then by the end of this book, he genuinely develops a large change that changes the status quo of how Batman operates as a whole. Yep. So he does get that growth from the villain of, I need to work with people and with the GCPD, and he freaking unmasks himself to Commissioner Gordon, and that's the freaking ending in the book. Oh, that was such a good cliffhanger. Well, not really a cliffhanger, but, like, that's, that's, a, great, a, that's a great ending. Yeah, I thought it was a really because good Because he gets, he, like, gets his trust back, he works with the people that he's kind of worked with for, like, 20 years or whatever, and it gives him more legitimacy. It gives um, Dick and Barbara more legitimacy to work with the GCPD. And I don't know. It just that's a really big status quo change for Batman that very rarely happens in most continuities. Batman almost never is on a first name basis with uh, James Gordon. That doesn't usually happen. I really yeah. like that. Uh, so Jacob, do you have any more thoughts on this book? I read it digitally, and after having read Curse of the White Knight. I feel as though I should go back and read White Knight uh, with one of your paperbacks or hardcovers, yes. if that's how you bought it, because Curse of the White Knight is freaking beautiful. Oh, yeah. Beautiful mm-hmm. artwork. So, so good. You know, definitely, I, I think I, viewing it on a screen does it a disservice. Yeah, I got cheated in that way. Yeah. It was one of the other comics that first got me um, into, like, reading comics constantly, because it started out with... Uh, Hellblazer and then Hellboy and then I got into like why not do Batman stuff now I've always liked Batman but I never really went into the comics because it's Batman because there's so much there is a lot and just as a kid I was like I'm okay with my Batman animated series and live action shows but um, I this book is close to me in that sense one really, not necessarily really random, but on the, the note of Harley and Batman kind of having um, a a bit of a connection outside of their, like, you know, pre-established relationship of, you know, him beating the snot out of her multiple times, um, it felt like there was a plan there, um, something that's going to, like, go into the future. 
I don't know. That it felt like there was a lot of chemistry there, and I might have just read it wrong. But you definitely did not. I wasn't gonna reference the next book because <laughs> I genuinely had this thought well before Curse came out, so I can't. I'm trying not to talk ahead, but I knew it. Anyway, I'm in that's all we need. Yeah, no. I, I all you had to say was there was a lot of chemistry there, and I knew it. That's all you had to do. Yeah. Um, I'm into it. Yeah, no, very much so. Uh, call it. So does anybody, uh, you guys have any more thoughts on this book? No, it was really good. I enjoyed it. It got me into Sean Murphy's art, and now I'm reading more of his stuff. He's got some really good art. Yeah, he does. He really does. Terminal Horny. Yes. Just Every right. comic artist. That's just, just like Bruce Timm. That's the comic. That is the comic industry. It's just really, really horny people doing art. That's just the way it goes. <clears throat> I got nothing that isn't going to spark controversy, so. Ooh, what sort of controversy is You already that? know. Oh, that. Okay, so we can, cut that. Like we can cut that entire tangent. Batman's freaking political thriller. You're gay. So we're going to jump into what we've been reading. Uh, Colin, what have you been reading? So I finished the second volume to Tokyo Ghost, which was drawn by Sean Murphy. And I forget the writer, but... Uh, this was one of the books I started reading that was drawn by Sean Murphy, and I must say, I won't read it again. Aww. Oh, not really? Because, not because it wasn't a good story, just that it made me sad, Aww. and not in the good sad, it just made me like, man, humanity is sucky, and this looks very much close. Like, we, we've had a lot of movies and a lot of books and whatever showing, like, what humanity's gonna come to, but, like, this seems the most realistic version of how humanity is going to play out. Is it dark and gritty? Um, imagine just okay, I'm going to I'm going to I'm just going to talk about it for a minute. That's Good. okay. Do it. So, the first book, I don't know if I talked about it last week, but the first book is it's like a post uh, not post-apocalypse, but it's like a cyberpunk world and everyone's the new drug is technology. Everyone's just like online and they have like these holograms are near them. They're just constantly looking, looking at that, and there's always Wally. updates and stuff. Yep. <laughs> but like none of them are fat, and like they're barely eating, and like they have like, uh, uh, like water capsules and stuff. But like at some point in the second comic, it talks about how the main two main characters, they as kids, they had a garden together, and they're the only people who have ever done this in like centuries, or century or so. And so like no one makes. No one grows plants anymore. What? <laughs> he was stroking my foot, um, and that feels really weird. Okay. I'm a very gentle stroker. <laughs> okay. That's your problem, dude. You deserve that one. <laughs> okay. Um. So, like, uh, no one grows plants anymore. Everything's technology and, like, you know, uh, just pro processed stuff. And so, to grow these plants, the main character, the girl, who's never touched technology, like like how everyone else has, like she's never been um, tampered by it. Same with her dad, who taught her to be this way. Uh, she steals like water capsules from her mom, and she's like, "Yeah, I've been I've been replacing them with my own pee." She's so far gone that she doesn't even care. 
Wow. Yeah, so her mom has, like, this attachment onto her that's, like, a dildo, and it constantly goes, like, in and out and stuff. Like, they show the thing. Wow. And, yeah, no, it's dark. It's that's gross. really gross. Yeah, and, like, th- it gets this gross in the second one. I mean, the first one, it shows, like, butts and boobs and, like, whatever. Like, I've seen that. But, like, there's that. And then later in the second one, it's, it shows, like, um, like the main dictator that's, like, doing all of this, he gets, like, report, uh, like, a reporter does, like, an article on him and whatever, and after they're done finishing, he's like, oh my gosh, I love you, and then he starts sucking his dick right there, and you can see his dick and everything. Ew. Yeah, no, it's gross. I don't recommend it. I mean, it was, it was cool, the story's cool, but it's not a must-read. Huh. And because of that, that's why it's not on my list anymore. To, like, reread. If... That was cut out, and it was just like, yeah, this like if they said this happened instead of showing it happen, I would have been fine. People do that, and it's tasteful. That's a weird word to use. So like we were saying with Dread, it would have been, or it was good because they let the imagination fill in some blanks. Yeah. Like they left it not extremely graphic. No, they showed a little bit of but graphic they in that. At what was going on, so you knew what was going on without seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, so you didn't really have to see it, and I'd rather not see it, because that kind of, like, messes me up and makes me not happy. You're saying you don't want to see dicks? No, I don't. Not like that. That is the, the, the point that I'm getting <laughs> here. I, I definitely concur with Colin. I'm like You don't want to see dicks either? I don't. Uh, I'm morbidly interested in this book, purely because it freaks Colin out, which yeah, means me I want to read it, but, yeah. like... Yeah, that does take a lot. I would be willing to take a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd be willing to bet I'm going to end up agreeing with you. Yep. Uh, Any more thoughts? It was just surprising just to see it because I just opened it and I'm like, oh my god. What publisher was it from? Um, It's Image Comics. They do have a lot more graphic stuff Mm -hmm. compared to Dark Horse and um, some of the other ones. Jacob, uh, what have you been reading? Uh, I borrowed Colin's copy of Batman Year 100 by Paul Pope. How do you feel about it? Yeah, that's fine, I See? guess. Yeah, that's how I felt. <clears throat> I really didn't like the artwork at, at all. Really? I think I can somewhat agree with you on that. There is an explanation for it, though. I couldn't put a finger on it while I was reading it. Um, it was like, and I meant to do my research on this. Hang on. You mean because everybody looks like a freaking zombie, their flesh is so gross? Mm. Mm. So, I felt like it was kind of Picasso-ish. There, there were no straight lines, everything was like wavy and kind of wonky looking, almost like the whole book Which is a sketch. was psychedelic, I guess, but it wasn't. So... I think the reason why and is uh, at the end of the book, there's a little piece by the author saying yep. his goals with the comic book. Like, he put a lot of thought into every single thing that would be in Batman's uh, pouches on his belt. Like, there's no shark repellent in his freaking I love pouches. that. I, didn't I love that, that like, attention to detail. Yeah, that he was stuff super really into is. detail. Mm-hmm. So I think the artwork was frigged. Because he said he wanted to show the uniform, uh, like, folding and crinkling with the movement. So, like, it wasn't vacuum-sealed perfectly tight every single frame. So, I think he was trying to add those 
those crinkles to the clothing and stuff like that, and it just came out really, really too weird. many wrinkles. Yeah, there, there it is. Wasn't such clear. Thing. It was all kind of so grayed like out. wrinkles when like you're drawing, old, like old man testicle type wrinkles. I or just haven't seen old man testicles. I work at a gym, but so like, I have to walk in those locker rooms. You can see how Colin's sitting right now. His shirt isn't flat and no. vacuum sealed. It's got yeah, those so like, wrinkles. So those with wrinkles, holes. with real wrinkles yeah. in like shirts and such, people like to exaggerate, think that like there's more wrinkles than there are. And this is something that's actually a part of like learning art and how to do art. Or, um, you want like three to like two to three or four wrinkles mm-hmm. like four is max right like you want three and then everything else should be like shadow right and or, or like yeah. a darker color of things so yeah like even i Batman's found that was mask like, unattractive has a hundred freaking wrinkles in it and then you <clears> add <throat> shadowing to it and it's just a mess it yeah i thought i felt like the whole thing was a unfinished sketched and then just colored and inked because they were running out of time huh interesting that's how i felt so i'm glad that um, you kind of feel the same way about it. Yeah, so it's fine. I wouldn't suggest it really to anybody. Uh, <laughs> kind of wish I didn't buy it. Yeah, I feel that's that. how I felt. Yep. See, I'd offer to buy it off you because I've read it and I like it and I want a copy. But if they re-release it as a black label book, I want the black label version, so mm-hmm. I won't buy the other version. I also accept trade. Trade a comic what? for a comic. I don't know. I don't have anything I want to get rid of. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the thing is I like all the books I buy. Yeah, I thought I was going to like this because I saw it on... I have a Pinterest and I use it to like find or- colors and art and like ways of drawing. And um, I found it on Pinterest. I found I found the, I found one of the panels on Pinterest and I was trying to get into it and Spencer's like oh yeah that's year 100 I'm like okay I'll buy it because I was like oh this is gonna be so cool because I like really like that panel of art and then I re- started reading the book I'm like oh this is the shot this is the shot and then I started reading it more I'm like oh this is ugly mm-hmm. Oof. Uh, so I read Doctor Strange the Oath which is a five issue miniseries from 2006 uh, written by Brian K Vaughn and illustrated by uh, Marcos Martin. This is the best Doctor Strange book I've ever written, read. Like, I really like Doctor Strange. I've read a lot of stuff, and honestly, there isn't a lot, if we're being honest. There's a, f- a few really good series and some rough stuff, but this is... If I was going to recommend a single Doctor Strange book to anybody, meaning you two, this is the one. Okay, what's it called? Uh, Doctor Strange The Oath. It's five okay. issues. It's I've been a, wanting to get it's into just a little Doctor trade. Strange. It's a really good starting point. Basically, um, Doctor Strange got shot... By a real bullet, basically. Anyways, um, it's a it's a weird book. Um, it's it has a little bit. It's a very mystical book. Obviously, it's Doctor Strange. Um, it leans into some occult elements, but I'd say it's actually fairly light um, in terms of like color and general tone um, for a Doctor Strange book, even which are usually on the lighter end of the magic spectrum. Like a Ghost Rider book is almost always darker than a Doctor Strange book, but in terms of the actual themes of the book, um, it's Basically, Doctor Strange, you know, Stephen Strange, uh, struggling with his relationship between the real, the physical world and the mystical world, because he um, is in pursuit of this magical item uh, that can save his friend's life, Wong, uh, his servant slash partner, whatever you want to call him, um, and it could theoretically save him, but it could also save all of humanity because it's the cure for, it's literally the cure for cancer, not like a cancer, all of cancer. Um, and then 
the thing gets broken and there's like one chance, there's like one dose of it, so he can either save his friend or bring it to a lab and reproduce it so he can basically save all of humanity, but he will have to let his friend die. So it's him debating between his Hippocratic Oath and then his Oath to the Mystic Arts. But he took his Hippocratic Oath not to do any harm to you know people first as a doctor. So it has a lot of his own personal um, convictions fighting back and forth, and it's really, really good. So did he choose right or did he choose wrong? He chose Wong. Um, it's not. I don't want to say it's a twist because you would assume that's what it's going to be. But um, the art is really, really good. It's really slick. It's it's fun and clean. It's not overly complicated. It's got some very geometric shapes to it. Um, it's a straightforward story, but it's very thematically focused. This is an internal struggle book in that sense, but it's not um, terribly introspective in that sense. This is, still has plenty of mystical action. It's still real-world threats. This isn't like some metaphysical, you can interpret it however, however you want sort of deal. Um, and yeah, as I said, it, this is like, if you're going to only read one Doctor Strange book or you need a place to start, this is the place to start. It's really, really good. It introduces some important characters. It establishes his relationship to the rest of the Marvel Universe. And it does its own thing. Perfect. I really like Doctor Strange, like a lot. Nice. I'm so glad I finally got to talk about it on this freaking podcast. I love Doctor Strange a lot. It's nine mm. bucks on Google Play Books. Uh, oh. I would actually say it's it would not be. Um, that's a decent digital purchase. It's not it's not terribly important to read physically. It just never gave me those sorts of vibes. It's very bright and clean and like it, nothing about the digital screen is gonna ruin. Do you the, have the artwork right there? So this is one of the oh. uh, the the issue covers um oh um, freaking this page was one of the ones I don't want to spoil too much but like that's actually gonna make it smaller dude the um it's a really good like whoop and just like epic hero walk it's really good but you see what I mean like it's very hmm. clean Hmm. It's, good. it's really good shit. I don't know how I feel about that. Read the really, damn book. I really like it. It's like fucking fifteen dollars. Trade. It's a tiny little trade. It takes you forty-five minutes. I don't know. How Less I feel about than nine bucks on Google Play, but you have apples to suck it. Colin, what else have you been reading? Okay, I was gonna look up the other one, but I'll do that for the next one. <clears throat> so you know how I've been reading Headlopper. Um, after I bought the first one, I bought uh, number two and number three. I started following more on Andrew uh, McLean, who is the uh, writer and artist for the comics. You know, I love that. And, um, uh, he is actually going to be, he's working on the fourth one. I don't know in what capacity, if it's just, like, he releases them as these, like, big books or single issue. So, I will get back to you on that. But, I read the second one, which is The Crimson Tower. Um... It's really cool. You would love it. Uh, I think you guys would both... Or I don't Actually, I don't know about you, Jacob. Uh, I don't know how you feel about like stuff that's like that. But I know, Spencer, that you would love Headlopper because of the Adventure Time-like feels of it. So, uh, it takes place in the Crimson Tower. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know where it is, really. But, um, because it's kind of hard to tell. It's not like how in the first book there's a map... Yeah. yeah, the maps That's were only for the first one. Yeah, I was disappointed, and I was like, oh no. Who Spencer's thought of that? 
Andrew McLean. Maps uh, make me horny, dude. Why do you think I like Tolkien's work so much? There's I know. a map for everything. I know. It's the same thing with the Robert Jordan fantasy book that I've been reading. It's like, I refer to the map uh-huh. every page or maybe every other page. Yep. So, yeah, maps make me horny as well. I like the map. I like the map, uh, but, like, I, I went back to, like, look at the first one, and I'm like, oh, they barely touched most of the things that are on the map. Like, there's this, like, uh, peninsula that's called the Thumbs. I, I love when things are named like that, just like, you know, the Foot Clan, or the Hand, or the Thumbs. It's so on the nose. I love it, but um, uh, the second book was really good. I thought it was uh, a good sequel. I think I enjoyed the second one more, even though it was smaller. It ha- added more to Headlopper in somewhat capacity of his backstory, not as much as the third one, which I have also read. Uh, but I'll talk about that later on. But the second one had to do with them going through these obstacles in the Crimson Tower and leading to a gladiator fight. And Maybe one of the main characters... And leading to a... And leading to a gladi- gladiator fight that uh, ended with a death of one of the main characters. <coughs> it was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't really want to talk about it too much because I only really remember the third one because that's like the one I've read recently but read it nice jacob what have you been reading i read next week's mandated reading nice don't talk about it so that that's it that's pretty much it jacob loses yay big sad sad. um so i read um ultimate end or battle world's ultimate end uh it's a six issue marvel miniseries published in 2015 uh it's written by brian michael bendis and illustrated by mark bagley um, so you guys remember when I was talking about Secret Wars a while back? Yeah. The, the modern Secret Wars? Yep. Um, do you not like the original Secret Wars, dude? No, you said one of them was sh- I don't remember that. I might be wrong. The original one was kind of rough. I actually like the newer one more. Um, so the 2015 Secret Wars event was basically the merging of the regular 616 Marvel Universe with the 1610 Marvel Ultimate Universe. Um, they had, it, the Ultimate Universe had kind of came and went, it was really popular for a while, there's some really, really interesting stuff, and then there was some pretty rough stuff in there too, um, so it, they had stretched it out as long as was reasonable, so they wanted to implement some elements from that universe into the mainline universe, so that's basically what Secret Wars was for, and then this is one of the many, many tie-in miniseries, um, yeah, so it's illustrated by Mark Bagley, which means it's gorgeous. Just nobody does Marvel art better than Mark Bagley. There is no negotiation. It looks great. Um, But the plot is kind of messy and meandering. Um, Bendis didn't write the main event. He was one of, at the time, he was mostly doing the um, couple of the Ultimate um, Universe books, so it made sense that he was doing this. This book is basically the end of the Ultimate Universe. It's kind of confusing. Um... So he certainly was trying to do the best with what he had. There were some interesting ideas, but it felt like they didn't know how many issues they were going to have or exactly what was going on in the main event. So it's it's kind of confusing. Um, it's not the worst send-off for that universe. There's some There was some good character interactions. They were meeting some doppelgangers, meaning the main universe and the ultimate universe characters. Some of them were meeting. So it was a decent tie-in. There were some good interactions. Um, There's some nice stuff with the Punisher and Tony Stark uh, and Nick Fury from the Ultimate Universe. 
But it, it, it kind of all um, leads into Miles Morales from the Ultimate Universe. Obviously, it's written by his creator, and that was the big takeaway from the Ultimate Universe they wanted to put in the mainline books. The big cheese, as they say. Yeah, basically, the whole universe was collapsing just so they could put Miles Morales in the main universe, if we're being honest, which is totally fine by me. I'm okay with it. One of the best made in Marvel like, event crossover things in the past couple of years, for sure. Um, it was it was definitely worth the read. Some more stuff in the event made sense. It's kind of a prequel-ish. It's weird. Really weird universe-hopping stuff. Um, so... I wouldn't recommend either of you read it, because neither one of you have read a lot of the Ultimate stuff, and definitely haven't um, read the new Secret Wars, so it would make no sense. Alright. Yeah. Um, Colin, what else have you been reading? I've recently read, uh, but I haven't finished, BPRD 1946 through 1948, which is three books, and I'm in the third book. Uh, three different artists. Uh, it's a prequel to Hellboy, and so it starts off with a... Prequel to which Hellboy? Uh, Hellboy, the comics. The actual Hellboy number one? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's ni- it's 1946. I thought you so, said it was in between... No, 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 that was the Plague of Frogs. Oh, gotcha. I was talking about the Plague of Frogs. So, uh, 1946, which is like two or one year, let's Two years after they, uh, after uh, Brutenholm uh, found Hellboy, and that whole thing happens in the first comic. So, but the first comic, how that takes place is it's kind of like a standalone issue where it's kind of one of Brutenholm's first ever like adventures of in- investigation of uh, of the of the paranormal. And so, you can read it, you can let it go, but, uh... Is it a spooky book? Well, yeah, no, no, the first, the first, like, issue, it's like a small, smaller one, a couple pages, like three or four, uh... It, it has just, some spook, I'm interested. It has some spook, uh, it's like a blue demon, yeah, Ooh. blue demon, um, but it's to do with the inside of church and everything, you can leave it, uh, whatever, but the rest of the first book has to do with BPRD starting up and... Dealing with the aftermath of World War Two, the uh, dealing with the Russians, demons, Americans. What's the difference? Nothing. Um, but uh, it just in- talks more about like the creatures that are hiding in uh, Hellboy. That like because during Hellboy, most of the creatures are in hiding because they're waiting to take um, an uprise on the humans. Like they're waiting for everyone to forget how to stop them. Uh, but they're failing, and it talks more about that in the second book, which has to do with uh, four main characters uh, investigating further into that, and then three is the epilogue of that type of, of that story. Nice. So really good read. Took me a while to even to touch it, but I would recommend it to people who just want more help. Uh, more Hellboy universe, because Hellboy's a child in this. He's like four. So to Mr. Mr. Magnola expert, um, yes. correct me if I'm wrong, majority speaking, obviously some of the books have some crossover in terms of timeline. So you have the BPRD books, then you have the Hellboy in the BPRD books, then you have the Hellboy books, and then the Hel- the uh, Abe Sapien books mm-hmm. run parallel with the Hellboy books. Mm-hmm. Okay, just making sure. Before so, I start buying omnibuses and have no idea what I'm doing. Okay, so there's all the Hellboy books, and Hellboy leaves BPRD in Omnibus 2, right. and that's where Plague of Frog's story uh, happens, right. uh, while Hellboy is through Africa and 
eventually dying in the third one. And um, BPRD 1948 through uh, 1946 through 48 is a prequel. Right. Now I am not super expert on Mignola, just more than you guys are. Well, yeah. Um, but if I'm wrong, there are other. If I'm right, there are other BPRD books. Yeah. That take place during Hellboy. Yeah. And same with Abe Sapien. Right. So those are all within the Hellboy and after Hellboy yeah. and Hell. But BPRD. 46 through 48 is a prequel. Gotcha. I'm honestly really interested in the Hellboy and the BPRD run. That's like the prequel teenage adventures. I'm yep. not going to lie. It looks yeah, oh like, yeah. Because it's not even that. really that relevant. That, that's, that's like, prequel it's, too. Just, it's just fun stuff with others. Like, there's some allusion to what will happen later, but it doesn't seem like they're making it super tie-in heavy because they wanted to leave that stuff for what Mike was writing. So he's yeah. like popped in a few times on this mini series. Yeah. Uh, prequel series and they're just kind of doing more fun stuff i haven't read too much of that because you know mike's barely touching it and i really only read if mike's touching it take that as you want it uh but mike touching you i wish (laughs) cut that out um no, no. I want I want a professional standing with Mike eventually. Put it Mike, in the Mike, end. Mike, if you ever get to this episode, if you ever listen Put to this, in, in the, please in the do not. In the end, I want to work with you. Anyway. So, uh, Hellboy and the BPRD, uh, that is something I haven't really read, but I, th- I, I like the idea because when, when you start seeing Hellboy, that's like the end, like during the end of his career. Right. That's like, he's been in that for like almost 52 years yeah it's really peculiar yeah so it's like during the end that's pretty cool I like it yeah uh, so Jacob is knocked out um, I am now knocked out Colin have you been reading anything else Headlopper 3 would you like to talk about it uh, I can Headlopper 3 we are finally getting to see uh, to understand the backstory of the Headlopper who is also known as his real name is uh, Norgal, and no one calls him Norgal. They just say Headlopper or like uh, uh, son, uh, son of a what is it? Uh, uh, what's that thing called? A thing that's like human bowl thing. What is it? What that's like usually in mazes. Minotaur. Yes, son of Minotaur. Is it Minotaur or Minotaur? Minotaur. Okay, son, it's Minotaur. it's son of uh, son of a Minotaur, of the Minotaur. Um, son of a Minotaur. <laughs> but uh, we finally getting to see backstory of like why he carries around this witch head that's alive and she has magical powers. Not not because she's a witch, but something happened to her within this comic. Uh, she like uh, kind of got like bound with this cosmic energy thing that you find out later on uh, that Norgal has to protect this head because this, like, other mystical entity is like, yeah, uh, everyone wants to steal this. You need to protect the head so that, you know, the world doesn't end. He's like, okay, sick. And so we have that, which is the main storyline. Finally, we're getting to understand him. But what's happening real time is uh, the Goblin War. It's a goblin war between this city, and they're trying to like get their god because they believe that this the goblins believe the city is has like uh, has taken hold of their god, which is this giant egg, ginormous egg. But it, everyone in the city is like it's just a stone that looks like an egg, 
and eventually it cracks and you see a giant toad. What? But it's like just skeleton. Uh, and then somewhere in the comic, I don't know what I missed, but I saw this like creature that kept like coming in and out of the comic that like every time you saw it grow bigger and bigger because it like, eats stuff. And I'm like, I don't know where it originated. I try to keep looking through the comic. It just came out of nowhere. Like, I don't know where it originated. Yeah, I really need to read this now. Yeah, it's so too. good. No, this it's so good. And it just started, like, eating, eating, and it's like, tried to engulfing the, like, frog. And then, th- like, the thing exploded because of the witch head. She's like, Nyah! Like, all green and everything blew up, and it was good. It was good, and there's more to come. This sounds so ludicrous. It's, it's, it's so fun. It's so fun. It's adventure time. But, like, yeah. adult... Um, and decapitations adult decapitation and like Frog. like Hellboy in a way yep. there's more Adventure Time than there is Hellboy I'll give Ooh. There's, uh, there's like very few is Hellboy is there a stretchy yellow dog no he calls okay so so in the comic in the third comic um, one of the main characters is like have you named your steed and he's like nope I haven't thought the name of the steed Roach. and um he, uh, the main, the other character, she's like, well, you should name your steed. And eventually she's like, oh, have you named your steed? When he's le- leaving the city with her girl. Roach. Um, he's like, yes, I have named it. <laughs> he's so giddy. I love it. It's, it's just so cute. cute. Look at our stuff. Okay. He's like, I dub this beast Brad, sturdy of foot, slow of thought. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. She says, Brad? Brad? What the hell is Brad? I wouldn't curse a rodent with such a moniker. You are a wicked man, Headlopper. Cruel and wicked. I love the dialogue in it, too. It's just so funny because it's not just, like, whatever dialogue. It's kind of, like, to do with the medieval, but, like, ours, too. But also Brad. Yeah, Brad. Damn it, Roach. Colin, have you read anything else? You're already the winner. Nope, I haven't read anything else. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Colin, you get a bird. So, I'm going to start this round off. I haven't watched a single thing this week. Wow. Spencer, what have you been watching? Uh, I watched one thing this week. Uh, So, I watched The Way Back, um, which is a... It's not comic book movie related. I know, right? Um, It is uh, Ben Affleck's most recent uh, performance. Uh, It's... They, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it came out earlier this year. Um, it is about a, um, an alcoholic, uh, former basketball star who is now an alcoholic in his middle age, in his middle ages. Um, who works a construction job and gets offered a gig to work as a, a high school basketball coach, and through um, working with the team and the organization behind the team, he kind of recovers a little bit. Um, but something that I really, really, really enjoyed, uh, in this thing is he relapses really bad. He relapses multiple times. Um, and he ends up getting kicked off the team, but he ends up getting the help he needs and going to rehab and repairing some personal relationships. You find out some more backstory between him and his ex-wife. Um, yeah, no. So it, it has excellent direction and cinematography. I was genuinely impressed. Most drama films don't have anything incredible in terms of visual storytelling uh sometimes it's it's solid it's just most of them don't have anything too interesting i could watch ben affleck drink canned beer in his grungy apartment on loop for a very long time with the way that it's shot and constructed it's very interesting and just kind of colorful um 
It has sharp and grounded dialogue, which in a drama movie is kind of rare, particularly things dealing with alcoholics are usually kind of cliche. Um, and the, the cast is really great with some really interesting characters, but it can't outshine Ben Affleck's performance. I genuinely think this is the performance of his career because of the uh, deeply personal connection he has to this character, being a recovering alcoholic himself, huh. who took this job particularly because he had just gotten out of rehab and gotten his life kind of back together. He's struggled with alcoholism for a very, very long time, and he recently had a really, really bad bout of it um, a couple of years ago. So it can't, it shone through, like, really strong. Like, when he was crying about it, it was real, and you could feel it. Um, and he kind of played off some of the things in the film that weren't even super great. Some of the dialogue here and there was a little rough, you know, the usual, and he still worked with it, and it played out phenomenal. Um, it really conveys the repetition, anger, and underlying sadness of uh, the life of an addict, but it doesn't make the protagonist really hopeless um, or needlessly charming. Like, it's just... A little character flaw, like it's a huge problem, but he doesn't feel like the scum of the earth either. You really feel for him, but it doesn't justify how he behaves. Um, as someone who knows people who are alcoholics and some recovering alcoholics, and as an addict of other sorts myself, I really appreciated how it was handled. It was tactful, but it wasn't, hey, he met somebody and he's now better. He's in a healthy relationship. Ooh, it was, yep. he relapses. He gets kicked away from the, the team, and he can't see them anymore. Like, stuff happens. He has to pay for what he's done, but he does eventually find the way back, which was implied through the film. He said the thing. I know I said the thing. He said the thing. <laughs> but, like, that was the the point uh, by the end of it is just him finding the road to recovery, not finishing, because you're never really done with recovery, that sort of stuff. It's always a process. So I, I genuinely liked it. Probably the best drama film I've seen this year. Obviously, the options are a bit more limited, but it was really, really, really good. Like, strong, strong recommend. Colin, what have you been watching? Also, that's because it's Bat Daddy, though. Just a little bit. It's that's the what, sprinkles on top. That's what got me interested in it, but that's just because I really, really like him as an actor. And then I was like, oh, this is a very personal film. I'm, like, quadruple interested. I started watching The Boys. Ooh. The Boys. Yeah, I started watching The Boys. How far in are you? Uh, I can't remember. All in. I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, like people are saying it's dark. It's not as dark as I thought it was gonna be. I thought it was gonna be worse. It's really not that dark. I'm used to this stuff. Um, dude, you're screwed up in the head. What do you mean? It's pretty grotesque. Okay, yeah, especially with like the chick smashing the dude's face with her ass. Yeah, the, it's pretty freaking grotesque. People literally get, like, not even just the, the body horror type stuff, but, like, it's really gross. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know why this doesn't bother me like how Tokyo Pro Ghost did. It's probably because you're used to it because of the the type of society that we're in, the, the you know, series is... We're in a society! I mean, we do live in a society. We live in a society! But, like, the fact that that, that is what the thing is, the, the show is demonstrating is, you know, what sort of, you know, what if <clears throat> superheroes were celebrities and sports stars and oh, yeah. type junk. No, I love I love that, how they, how they played that, because I never thought about that being a thing. I never thought... That never crossed my mind, and I don't think that really crossed anyone's mind except for the writer, obviously. Um, I'm enjoying it, um... They definitely changed uh, a considerable amount of the story or, or the, the general themes. They made it like corporate superheroism, mm -hmm. and that's not really in the first volume of books, which is the only 
part that I've read so far. I believe the original author is one of the co-writers on the show, though. I might be wrong. At and least he's he's publicly endorsed it. The um, I've read a bunch of stuff about it. They're basing the shows on way later in the series, so it could be a theme, but it was just like they took some story pieces from the first book. Like, I recognized a bunch of them, but the rest of it was... Mm-hmm. Like, all the corporate superheroism stuff. Uh, A-Train, baby! Yeah. Oh, he's such a dick. <laughs> oh, he's such a dick. I think uh, they... They all are. Yeah. They're all trash. Except... Starlight. Oh, I love Starlight. Must protect at all cost. Must um, protect. So you see season two. Oh, boy. Oh, Why'd you have to tell me that? Oh, yeah. I'm really sad now. Oh, no. I mean, she's not that bad, but... You can see she's like... Oh, that's oh. sad. That's really sad. Yep. Oh, negative but, character growth. Um, enjoying it. So, actually, I'm going to touch back on what we've been reading real quick. Oh, boy. So, okay, so I think I just realized why that made me uncomfortable. Uh, was, I think it's because I like the artist from Batman... And so I felt like I was safe with ah. the art. And so when I saw that, it made me uncomfortable, and I don't want to read it again, because I thought I was safe, and then I was not. Well, going into the boys, I knew what I was getting myself into. That's fair. I think that's what it was. Fair enough. Good point. Good point. Have you been watching anything else, Colin? Because yep. Spencer and I have been knocked out. It's been Neon Genesis Evangelion. Nice. Uh-huh, yeah. Um. How far are you now? Uh, Episode... Eight, 17. Actually, no, 18. And I have to stop there. And because there's like, when you're watching that, you have to watch this movie in between it. Uh, or you won't yeah. get the next episodes. I don't know if you know which one it is. I don't know which one it is either. So I'm watching with a friend. I will tell you if you're going to keep watching Neon Genesis. Probably I'll look not. It up. I'll Google it. But, uh, yeah, so far it's really good. They introduced a, not a new character, but a new addition to the Evangelion team, which is like a big like mystery, but also not at the same time. Because like, the main character doesn't know who it is, but everyone else knows who it is, and they keep alluding to who it is, because it's someone he knows that's becoming a new Evon pilot. Uh, which is like the, one of the, the episodes I'm on. But it's really good. I recommend it to everyone. Nice. Cool. Is that all? Yep. Colin wins again. There we go. For the second week in a row, I, I believe. Think, I think so. Yeah, I'm surprised. It's on nice. a roll. Alrighty. Uh, so, so, I would like to get some housekeeping out of the way. Unless you have other housekeepings. I don't have any housekeeping. I have some housekeeping. You I housekeeping. would like to personally apologize for the sound difference in episode 11. We were trying some new technology that uh, did not work as expected. Uh, the new technology is for when I start teleworking uh, for this job, so we will get those bugs squashed, hopefully, and be ready for my teleworking. But for now, and for the next couple episodes, we are back to the old get-up. Fair enough. Uh, Alrighty, so thanks for listening. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, send us an email at dimecomicbros at gmail.com. Like Rebecca did earlier today. Thank you again. Thank, Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, send us hate mail, memes, suggestions. I don't know, just shit post. I don't care. Yeah. Literally um, anything. We love it. Yeah. Uh, check out our website at dimecomicbros.podbean.com. Uh, you can also check out our Patreon for all sorts of fun goodies, including stickers, topic voting, uh, some commissioned art, and all sorts of other crazy stuff at patreon.com forward slash dimecomicbros. Uh, and obviously, you can listen to this podcast where you're listening, um, and basically every other platform that you can find. We're all over the place. Um, I have no closing joke.
so then tease next week. Uh, so we are going to be talking about Curse of the White Knight next week, which is the so good second uh, edition in the Murphy verse of DC characters, mm-hmm. meaning basically all Batman. And we said last episode or a couple episodes ago that he's writing a couple more after this, right? Yeah, like Harley correct. Quinn. He, oh no, no, he's not writing it. His wife, his is. wife is. So his he is doing. Him. He said he had a plan for five core books. Um, and then they, DC has allowed him to appoint other creators to do some, some one-offs, uh, in, in, in the universe. So the only one so far, as far as I'm aware, is his wife is going to be doing, um, the Harley Quinn one-shot, which honestly was a very criticized decision by a lot of people on the internet. Like, hey, he took the power to his head and made his wife do a thing, which is really weird, and I don't want to get into it, but, um, looks interesting. I believe he's doing the art for it as well. She's just doing the writing. Um, I'm down. And then, yeah, so he is currently writing Beyond the White Knight, if I remember correctly, is the, the title. It's in the future. And then there are two more after that, apparently, which is crazy. I don't know where else he's going to go after that, but I'm very down. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog is for sale for two bucks at Redbox right now. <laughs> well, oh, oh, that's random. That's an outtake. Alrighty, so moving on to the main topic, we're gonna be talking about Batman White Knight, which is a, was oh, it five or six issues? No, Your voice sounds eight. funny. Please clear your throat. <laughs> Try it again. I hate doing that so much. Do I sound normal now? Yes. Yep. Yay. Okay. Holy crap. Did he? I don't remember the titties being there. Where, That's where, why where, it's where, the where, black with the blue. That's literally the reason why they made it a black with the blue. Wait, really? Yeah. Yeah, you want to see titties? They decided yeah. that that was the line. Titties. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, dude. That was like the best part. <laughs> dude, wow. okay, that Harley Quinn was awesome. Yes. Okay, we need to actually talk about it. Sorry, you had to cut that out. <laughs> I remember this, though. Yeah. Oh. That's a that's a I really like that that full page. I'm sure you did. That no, not just <laughs> that. No, cuz the like the overall story like that's rough. Uh-huh. It's so true. Anyway. Okay, let's start talking. He does that a lot. He goes... <laughs> keep talking. Keep talking. <laughs> he just burped. And it smells so bad. Oh, well, it's all getting cut. Yep. But I really like the Curse of the White Knight. Holy crap. I just wanted to lose all of that. I told you you were going to like it. Because it's a historical thriller. Azrael had me... Oh, yeah. Whoa. Not that much, but... <laughs> oh, mean, my gosh. So, that was oh so good. We need the knot. Oh, oh, dude, don't wipe that. That's so bad. No, that was fine. It's not wet. Bullshit. It's not. No, it's just college. Whoa, whoa. Why are you on my bosom? Anyway, um, so it's... Dude, that's so bad. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> <laughs> the only way he can make me gag. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> He's tried. So, Colin, this uh, leads to my next question. Mm-hmm. Have you named your steed? Yes. And what is your steed's name? Something funny. I can't. <laughs> you put me on the spot. Well, you said yes. I mean, I don't know what to say. What else <laughs> should I say? Could have said no and put the pressure on me. Okay. 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 Okay.
Okay, then you're gonna cut it. <laughs> no, what have you named your steed? Oh no, I haven't named my steed, but I've named your steed. <laughs> <laughs> what have you named my steed? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm scared. This is a failed joke. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm so scared. scared.